Or think about your own relationships. Just do a little stock in your own life. How many, how many friends, how many people do you have in your life that you really 100% truthfully trust with everything? It's probably a pretty short list, like a treasured list, if we're being honest, because like one author said, that trust is the single most expensive, the single most valuable thing in our world. It really is. And so we're talking about this this morning, in part because we're in the middle of this series that we're calling the God Series. And we're just taking a look, like I said earlier, at the names of God. What do they tell us? The way that God introduces himself to us through the scriptures. What do they tell us about his character, his heart, his nature? And then what do they have to say about who we are as people? Because we were created in the image of God. And so last week we talked about Jehovah Elohim, which is the very first title that is given to God, Elohim. And so Elohim just means God, sort of generic God. And then, and then Jehovah Yahweh is this God who is deeply personal. And so God is both this incredibly powerful and creative being in person. But he's also incredibly intimate, deeply personal with you and with me. And so he is the God who is our God, is what we talked about last week. And since we are created in his image, this God that is infinitely creative and powerful and at the same time deeply personal and intimate, that so are we, that we are powerful and we are creative and we are made to be in relationship, intimate relationships. And so this week we're jumping into the very next name of God, the way that God introduces himself is just a little bit later in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 17, and and it's the way that God introduces himself to a guy named Abram, and it's this, El Shaddai. When you see the term God Almighty in the scriptures, which occurs about just over 40 times in the scriptures, in the Old Testament in particular, that's what this is, El Shaddai is how this is uh, given. And so again, El is just the God, right? God who is. And then Shaddai or Shaddai is then the God who is almighty. That's one translation of it, almighty. But, but the name, it actually, it's much deeper than that. As with names in other languages, often they carry so much more we- meaning than we have in English. And so Shaddai in, in uh, Hebrew has this, this really deep meaning. It means, it means a God who is sufficient, who is powerful, who um, has a sense of being almighty and sovereign over everything. Over everything. In other words, the God who is sufficient, totally and completely sufficient. The God who is enough. Completely and totally enough. That's what that word means. He is faithful enough to keep his promises. He is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. Let me say that again. He is faithful enough to keep his promises. And he is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. In other words, in our terminology today, he is the God who can be trusted. He's the God who can be trusted because he is enough. So, again, first time this occurs is in Genesis 17. It's a character that gets introduced and, in fact, was the founding father of the three main religions in the world, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Abraham is what we come to know him, but when God introduces himself to him, it's just Abram. And so it starts again in 17. We go from Adam to Noah and the flood, and then we go to Babel where God scatters people everywhere. And then a couple hundred years later, this guy Abram is living in a distant land, and God appears to him and shows up and introduces himself and says to Abram, hey, look, 
I, I got something for you. In fact, there's a big story that you are going to live into. To get up, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave your people. I want you to leave your father's house. And I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to reveal it to you on the way. Because I have a plan, God says. In fact, I ha- it, this is the plan. This is the story. And I'm going to tell it, Abram, through you. In fact, you're going to be the father of many nations. In fact, you're going to have offspring that you can't even count. You are going to be uh, the one through whom I, God, choose to bless the entire world. Kings will come from your line. And they will live and establish my kingdom. And so he speaks this out to Abram. And, And the interesting thing is Abram trusts God. There's a big question in that ask. Like, I want you to leave everything, and I want you to go someplace, and I'm going to show you. And the big question underneath that is, do you trust me? Are you willing to trust and go? And Abram goes. And, and here's the interesting thing about it is it does not go well. It doesn't go as planned. Now, Abram gets blessed. He gets rich, and his family grows. His extended family grows. But right out of the gate, there's a famine. And so then Abram has to take his family and go to Egypt. A little foreshadowing there, biblical foreshadowing. So he goes to Egypt to get food. And then a little bit later, there's some family infighting that happens between Abram and Lot, his cousin. And that's amongst like all this tension with these other people that have been scattered all around. And so Abram's got tension with his neighbors. He's got tension with his family. It's not going the way that God had said. And on top of that, on top of that, Abram and his wife Sarai, they, they have trouble having kids. They really struggle having kids. And so all of this promise that God has told him, that he has moved his whole life, his whole family for, it's not really going to script. So it's natural, I think, at that point. Like, if you put yourself in Abram's shoes, you would start to question a little bit. Like, God, where are you? Are, are you faithful? I know, I know I heard you. But are you faithful enough to, to keep your promises? Are you powerful enough to do what you said you were going to do? And here's where it gets interesting, because God shows up again to Abram. We're going to read this. This is in Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. If I'm Abram, I'm like, I- I've heard this before. Then God goes on, falls face down. And God says to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will be you be called Abram. Your name is going to be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God, the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, it's going to be yours. I will give you as an everlasting possession to you, to your descendants after you, and I will be their God. I am El Shaddai, 
منعت God who is faithful, who is sovereign. And it's not just God introducing himself as El Shaddai. It is God saying, and by the way, you're not Abram anymore. You're going to be called Abraham. Now, here's the interesting thing about that name. The name Abram means like exalted father. So there's meaning in the name, especially in the, in the ancient Near East. There was meaning in names. And so Abram's name meant father, but Abraham. Abraham literally means the father of multitudes. And so not only did God show up and go, hey, I'm going to give you a new name for me that you can refer to me, and it's going to remind you that I am enough to keep my promises, and I am powerful enough to accomplish my purposes. I'm going to give you that name, but now I'm going to change your name too. And your name is going to remind you from here on out of my promise to you. You're going to be the father of multitudes, of nations. I am El Shaddai. I'm faithful enough to keep my promises. I am powerful enough to accomplish my purposes. And you are Abraham. You will be the father of multitudes. Do you trust me? See, from there it gets even better. Abraham and Sarah have Isaac, and Isaac is the promise. At 99 years old, they give birth to a son, Isaac, and he is the promise. And, and the beautiful thing about Isaac is he believes the promise. He hears this from his dad, and he lives in the promise. And he lives his life that way, and he kind of goes out. And, and then Isaac has a son, Jacob. And because Isaac has heard this promise from his father. He has heard this name that God is El Shaddai. He prays this over his son, Jacob. The very next time we see this name in the scriptures is this. This is in Genesis. This is Isaac praying over Jacob. He says, may God Almighty, El Shaddai, bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become Everything that God has promised, a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing that he gave to my father Abraham so that you would take possession of the land that he promised us, where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. This promise is going to happen, Jacob. It is going to happen. It may not look like it. It may not feel like it, but it is going to happen. Why? Because God is faithful to keep his promises, and he is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. Do you believe it? Again, then Jacob, who has this prayed over him and goes about his life, and he, he doubts God at times and takes things and wrestles with God and takes things into his own hands and struggles with this, this promise that has been laid upon him. And even then, God shows up in Jacob's life. And he says this. This is just a little bit further later. And God said to him, Remember who I am? I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. So be fruitful, increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you. Kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave Abraham and your grandfather Abraham and your father Isaac, that land I also give to you and your descendants after you. Again, if you know the story, it's God is the God of Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob. And then Jacob has a bunch of sons, 12 of them, as a matter of fact. 
and he gets renamed Israel, and he becomes the tribe of Israel. And then in Genesis 43, so we got, we've gone through 17 to 28 to 35 to 43, Jacob prays over his sons as they go to Egypt using the same name. May El Shaddai grant you mercy as you go on this journey to Egypt to get your, son, to get your brother back. And at the end of his life, Jacob calls all of his sons together, and especially Joseph. If you remember the story, Joseph was the one that became king in Egypt. And he tells them the story again. He says, look, El Shaddai appeared to me, and he promised that we would have this land, that our descendants would be establishing that whole story, the whole line. He says, it was El Shaddai that kept his promise. It was El Shaddai who fulfilled his purposes. And then he prays over Joseph. He says, because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you, go. You can trust that God is faithful to keep his promises and is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. You see how into the fabric of this family, the fabric of their family, and into the heart of their story, into the heart of your story and my story as their descendants, into the heart of our story is this truth, that the God who created you, who calls you, who goes with you, and who sustains you, that he is enough. That he is faithful enough to keep his promises, and he is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. And the only question that we live with from day to day the only question that we have to wrestle with is, do we trust him? Do we believe that he is El Shaddai? Do we trust that God is faithful to keep his promises, that he is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes? And not just when it's easy, because that's easy. But when it feels like we're falling, when life gets hard, do we trust that God will keep his promises and that God will fulfill his purposes? Years ago when I was in seminary, I, I, a lot of you guys know this, but I was, a, um, I was not straight away into the ministry when I came out of college. In fact, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering. I was one of those people. And uh, I got into the engineering world and, and worked there for about five years um, and, and I always tell people, I, I did not make a great engineer. Um, admittedly, I was the water cooler guy, the one that drove all the productivity down in the company because I just love to be around people. And so um, I left that, got married, left that, and went into seminary because I, I, I felt like I had this call on my life. Like there wasn't anything else that I wanted to do but to talk about Jesus and to help people follow Jesus. And so I left this great career. I left this... Um, real sense of security and money. And I bet it all on this new calling. I was like, okay, God, I, I feel like you're calling me to go do this. So I left, I left the job and I took a stipend making about $700 a month to go and work at a church and go to seminary. I say I, but I really mean we because Jen was my sugar mommy at that point. Um, so she helped us get through that time. But it, it was my Abram moment, right? Like God was saying, I'm going to call you out of safety, security. I'm going to call you into something that you don't know where you're going. But I'm going to show you as you go. 
And for the first year, that was, like, pretty good. Like, it went really well. I was happy in what I was doing. It was great. And then somewhere, you know, at second year, uh, what happens in seminary to a lot of people is that they go through sort of a crisis of faith. They've learned all this stuff. They felt like they had this calling. And then you get to a spot where you're just like, I'm not sure about this anymore. And, and I hit that spot. And, I mean, I hit it hard. Like, a brick wall hit it hard. And so for about a year, I was just struggling with all of these big questions. Is there really a calling on my life? God, did you really say go? Who am I? Like, I thought I was going to be one thing, but now I, I, I'm losing any semblance of who I understood myself to be. I'm surrounded by all these incredibly gifted people, and I just feel like a normal guy. And so in my head during that season, like I was just making plans to go back. Is there a way that I could just kind of duck back into the engineering world where it's safe, where I would feel secure, where, where life could be a little bit simpler? How would I do that? You know, like, would I go to my boss and say, I'm sorry I left? But in the middle of that season, and I remember this like it was yesterday, there were two people that just spoke into my life. And they, when they spoke into my life, they didn't speak into my life like, hey, Josh, remember, you're great. You're going to be good. You're absolutely who God called. No, when they spoke into my life, they spoke into my life by reminding me who God is. And that he, he is the one that was in charge. My mentor at the time uh, was a guy I deeply respect, Tom Bronner, and he pulled me into his office one, one, one day, and I would kind of admitted to him some of my struggles. And as he was listening to me process, he just stopped me and he goes, Josh, you know you're not big enough to derail the plans that God has for you, right? Like, no. You know you're not big enough to derail the plans that the Almighty has for you, right? Okay. I started slowly to believe that. I'm not big enough to derail the plans that God has for me. And then another person, uh, Shelly, this woman that was part of the program with me that I was in, and she pulled me aside, and, she, and I was just telling her how I was struggling, and she said, she goes, hey, I know it feels dark right now. I know this is hard. She said, but you're going to see the faithfulness of God. You are going to see. It is going to clear up, and you are going to see what God has intended for you. It will happen because he is God Almighty. Because he is enough. Remember who he is. Trust him. He is El Shaddai. He is enough. He is powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. And he is faithful enough to keep his promises. I was talking to Lucas about this just the other day. And I, was look, I said, look, honey, here's what you need to know. When I look back on my life now, 49 years old, looking back at all of those stories, not just that story, but the thousands of stories between then and now, when I look back and I look at that and I go, there are two things that I cannot question. The first is that God is powerful, that he will accomplish his purposes. And the second one is that he is faithful. He has always led us. It may have been dark through a season. It may have been hard, but he has always led me to the place where his Glory is made known in my life, always, without question. And so that's what I have to, to lean on. That's what you, Lucas, my son, my 15-year-old, that's what you have to lean on. He is El Shaddai. He is enough. 
he will accomplish his purposes. He will be faithful to his promises. Do you believe that? You know, here's the thing that we have to wrestle with as, as a people, is that we, uh, as folks who are called to live in faith and trust, we live in a culture that majors right now in distrust. Everything around us is organized around distrusting the news, the information, the people, the organizations, the institutions around us. It's just part of the water that we swim in. I'm not even picking on our culture. It's just the normal thing. What's the number one word that has been used over the last two years? Disinformation, right? You shouldn't trust, whether you're on the left or the right, if you're on the left, don't trust Fox News. If you're on the right, don't trust CNN. Disinformation. By the way, words matter, and a lot of you know this, like, just as a, for instance, abortion, the abortion language years ago, it used to be pro-choice and pro-life. This is a total aside, it's not in my notes. Uh, pro-life and pro-choice, and now all of a sudden it's, it's pro-choice and, and anti-abortion. And then the next shift was not just anti-abortion, now it's anti-abortion rights. Right? Language matters. So in the same way, in the same way, in this season, the last two years, we have seen the language shift in our culture from disinformation to misinformation. We live in a culture of distrust. Do you know what the difference is between disinformation and misinformation? Disinformation is information that is patently not true. Misinformation is information that, is, that I have that doesn't fit the dominant narrative. It's misinformation, not disinformation. It's not untrue. I just don't like it. We live in a culture of distrust. And in the middle of that, God is calling his people to be a people of trust. Not in institutions, not in culture, not in the things around us, but in him. In him alone, in his word, in his truth, in the life that he has invited us into. I was reading earlier this week uh, this book that I've been reading called Invitation to a Journey. And here's how he put it. This is a beautiful thing. He says, look, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to grow into spiritual health in this, in this life, put this up, please, if you wouldn't mind. He said, look, spiritual wholeness, spiritual health, growing in Jesus is seen to lie in increasingly faithful response. Our increasingly faithful response. Trusting response. To who? To the one whose purpose shapes our path whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from crippling bondages, and whose transforming presence meets us at every turn in the road. That is who we trust. El Shaddai, he is enough. He is the one whose purpose shapes our path, whose grace redeems our detours, whose power liberates us from all the bondages, the things that hold us captive, and whose transforming presence meets us. When we think the road is going to go right and it goes left, he meets us there because he is El Shaddai. Again, Abram was asked to leave and to trust, and God says, look, remember, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me, and I will confirm my promises to you. See, here's the thing about trust. Trust is easy when things are going well. It really is. But trust is only difficult when things get difficult. Faith is only a challenge when life gets challenging. 
when our path feels like it's nothing but a string of detours, when the road turns left again, and we thought it was going to turn right, when our bondages keep us from moving at all, stuck in our own junk. It's in those moments when it feels like what we had planned is just going south or when we feel like we're falling and there's nobody to catch us, that's when we need to know he is El Shaddai. He is the God who is enough. Again, all through the scriptures, this is reinforced. Abram being asked. Moses confronts Pharaoh and he says, God, where are you? The people are struggling. And God says, remember, I am the Lord. I am the one who appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai. I am enough. Job, trial after trial. Again, by the way, in the book of Job is the other time where El Shaddai appears over and over and over again in the narrative of Job. And Job is the one who just goes through all these trials. He has everything stripped from him. And he is left questioning God's purposes and his promises. And in the storm, in the middle of a storm, where God shows up and finally meets Job, God introduces himself, reintroduces himself to, to Job. And he says, who can contend with El Shaddai? Can you, Job? And then Job's like, oh, I remember. And he says this famous line, if you've been in church at all, you've heard this before. I know that you can do all things that no plan of yours can be thwarted because you are El Shaddai. David, in in the psalm, 15 years after he had been anointed king by Saul, uh, he comes to this place, um, uh, Anyway, he then anointed king. The name escapes my way. He says this in, in Psalm 91. He says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My God in whom I trust. This is the same thing that Jesus says to his disciples when he's getting them prepared for what's coming. And in a moment, he grabs them, he groups them together, and he says, I want you to remember the name of the Lord. I want you to remember who it is you trust. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God? Trust also in me. Because I am El Shaddai. I am enough. See, I don't know what detours you're facing in your life. What turns in the road are really challenging for you right now. We all have them. We all have them. And the question in the midst of those is, are we willing to trust El Shaddai? Do we know in the depth of who we are that he is faithful enough to keep his promises and powerful enough to accomplish his purposes. When we hit those moments, that's when we need to listen for that voice of the Lord. When we hit those challenges and those times though it's hard to trust, that's when God whispers in our souls, remember, remember my name. Remember. you hear nothing else this morning, we're going to transition now into a time of communion, but if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear his name.
matter what detours you're facing, no matter what bondages you're dealing with, he is El Shaddai. He will prove faithful. He is powerful enough to accomplish everything that he has planned for me, for him. And you, by the grace of God, are not big enough to derail the plans that God has for you. You're not. Neither am I. There are no detours, no bondages, no turns in the road that he cannot make straight. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we love. This is the God that we trust. He is enough. And he will catch you. He will catch you when you fall. Let's pray. God, we confess right now in our hearts that there are so many things that are challenging and difficult. And that trust is expensive. But to the best of our abilities, Lord, this morning, we believe that you are El Shaddai. You are the God who can be trusted because you are enough. I just want you to take a moment as you're sitting in your chair. What are the detours that are going on in your life right now? What are the places where you feel like you are falling? And you're just not sure what, if anything, is going to catch you. And whether you fully believe this or not, I want you to take a moment and say, Lord, I give you this detour. God, I give you this struggle. I'm trusting in you, El Shaddai. You are the God who is confess this morning with our mouths that you are the Almighty. There is nothing, nothing, no plan of yours that can be thwarted. God, help us to believe that with everything that we are. Because we believe that you are faithful to your promises. And that you are powerful enough to accomplish your purposes.